What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Total Score Podcast. Sorry, Benatar in the house. And we are doing this literally right after Super Bowl 54 as the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. We're going to be talking a lot about that on this podcast. But before we truly get underway, we got to plug everything on Instagram at Total Sports Score, totalsportscore.com online. And obviously, uh, our podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. I did say YouTube, but having some trouble uploading some podcasts to YouTube currently, uh, potentially working out some kinks with uh, the Total Score channel. But uh, I promise probably next week we'll start going back to the regular uh, playlist updates for Total Score. I've been a little bit off that. But if we do start to post podcasts, they might go on my personal YouTube channel, which is my name, Ori Benatar. That might be the place to find a potential podcast, but that is going to be a place to find a video for the bracket we're going to be doing, which we are going to reveal what the bracket is on this podcast, but not what specifically is in the bracket. We'll get to that later. We got to talk about the Super Bowl. That's the main attraction. That is the main sports story around the world. Amazing, amazing comeback from the Kansas City Chiefs to win their second Vince Lombardi trophy, their first Super Bowl in 50 years. They won Super Bowl four all the way back in 1970, 100th year in the NFL, and they win Super Bowl 54, a 31-20 win over the San Francisco 49ers. Patrick Mahomes engineering the comeback, two quick touchdowns in the fourth quarter after being down by 10 with like nine minutes to go. Uh, a nail in the coffin touchdown from Damian Williams, who had two touchdowns in the game. Mahomes wins Super Bowl MVP. We'll talk about the legacy and the promise of the career of Patrick Mahomes, but uh, got a little bit of bullet points for this Super Bowl topic of the podcast. I wanted to just talk about my thoughts on the game. So entertainment-wise, I felt that this was a, a good Super Bowl. Not the greatest Super Bowl ever, but I felt that throughout the game that we had exciting plays on both offense and defense, especially because drives went long and drives always had a momentous event in them. There were really not many three and outs I think there were four punts total in the whole game, which is maybe a quarter less than what we had last year in that Patriots-Rams snooze fest, but not a lot of three and outs. The offenses both moved the chains very, very efficiently, which helped out quite a bit for both teams. Um, and defensively, there were some exciting plays too. A couple of interceptions were thrown, a um, couple fumbles that were recovered by uh, the offenses who fumbled them. So there were some good plays. There weren't a lot of like big highlight plays. There were a couple of big throws here and there, a decent run here too. I think the longest run was around 30 or so yards. We didn't have like a 40, 50, 60 yard burst from Mostert or Williams or anybody like that. Uh, but once again, the touchdowns coming from unlikely places to start the game. You know, Patrick Mahomes running in a score. We see that occasionally, but it's not too often. We always see him throw a lot of touchdown passes. Kyle Juszczyk. For me, as the Niners were going into that fourth quarter with the lead, I was like, Kyle Juszczyk has got to be the MVP. He's been utilized fantastic in this game. Niners did such a good job carrying the ball throughout, moving the chains downfield. They ran the ball down Casey's throat on a couple of drives, killed a lot of clock. And going into that fourth quarter, up 20-10, to 10, you know, the Niners were playing exactly their game that they did against Green Bay and Minnesota. They weren't as effective on the run but they continued to waste clock. They just didn't allow Mahomes to get the ball. And Mahomes 
those first three quarters are the worst three quarters in his postseason career so far. Two picks in the third quarter, he couldn't throw any touchdown passes, and Andy Reid wasn't going aggressive. The Chiefs kind of were too conservative in the play calling in those first three quarters. They respected their opponent a little too much defensively. And then there was a point probably mid-third quarter where Eric Fisher just couldn't block Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa was getting by him every time, but guess what? Nick Bosa didn't have a sack. And he did have a strip, but Mahomes recovered it because it bounced uh, favorably towards him. But every time Nick Bosa got past Eric Fisher and looked about ready to just lay down Mahomes into the field, Mahomes got moved away. So that's something Patrick Mahomes probably practiced for the last two weeks. So many situations where he probably avoided four or five sacks in the game by just taking a half step or just a couple steps forward uh, in the pocket. Because he took those, he took his regular uh, three-step drop, maybe a four-step drop occasionally. Bosa got by Fisher, literally just ran by him. He didn't even need to push through him. He literally just ran by him on the outside or the inside. And then he's about to sack him, and Mahomes just a couple steps forward avoids the sack. So that those little plays there I thought were really key going forward for the Kansas City Chiefs to stay in the game. But they just weren't being aggressive uh, with the play calling, especially throwing the football. They had a lot of screen plays. They didn't. Tyree Kill just didn't get the opportunities to just run down the field and book it like we see him usually do. The Niners' secondary is good, and Richard Sherman was on him. But Tyree Kill is the fastest player in the NFL. He can run by anybody. So you got to take that aggressive mindset into the Super Bowl. And what the Chiefs were doing against the Texans and the Titans were going aggressive when they were down. And guess what? The Chiefs never had an opportunity in this Super Bowl where they were really down until the third quarter when Mahomes made the big mistakes, you know, throwing an interception close to the red zone. And then San Francisco um, was able to have these long drives, kill this clock. Fourth quarter, San Francisco is able to, you know, keep that 10-point lead. And then Kansas City has a third and 15 near midfield. Mahomes just chucks it to Tyree Kill. That's the play that changed the game because that was the first time that Tyree Kill was able to let loose finally, do what he does best, and just run by people, run into space. And Mahomes was able to do what he does best, throw the ball down the field, up in the air, 50, 40 yards, 40, 50 yards, whatever, and let Tyree Kill just catch it. That third and 15 play for me was the uh, the first of the key plays that led to the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. It was the momentum swing easily because then the Chiefs were able to score, get back in the game, three-point game, Mahomes, a little dink to Travis Kelsey. Chiefs defense finally were able to get a three and out, and then Mahomes just hands it off to Damian Williams, and the rest is history. And, you know, I think this was more of a Patrick Mahomes comeback than the Niners letting it slip. I think the only thing that the Niners could have done differently that could have helped them win the football game uh, or just obviously finishing it out in the fourth quarter is huge. You know, defensively, they needed to finish it out. They had a couple of penalties. There was a pass interference. They allowed Tyree Kill to get so open. Sammy Watkins had a big play. But for me, you look at the Niners' long drives, killing all that clock. They They didn't utilize that clock to the most part. And they didn't have as many opportunities to score. Because when you're taking these long amounts of time to drive the football, you're increasing your chances of winning the game by keeping the ball in your hands, not allowing your opponent. But 
you're not allowing yourself to take the most opportunities to score more points. If the Niners had more possessions than they did in the game, I'm going to bring up the stats because I want to see how many possessions there were in the Super Bowl because it really didn't seem like a lot. Because I think if the Niners had more possessions, they would have had more chances to score, more chances to take a bigger lead, and I think they probably would have won the football game. Because the amount of times they had the football might have been what cost them. So here, let's let's see if we can get a full drive breakdown. And once again, Kyle Shanahan coaching a team that has a lead in the fourth quarter, and they were unable to finish the job. He was there in Atlanta there with uh, Quinn and the Falcons against the Patriots, and uh, now he's here with the 49ers blowing a 10-point fourth quarter lead. So the 49ers had... One, two, three, four. 49ers had four drives in the first half. Just four. A field goal on a 10-play 62-yard drive. The Jimmy G interception, three plays. Seven-play touchdown drive, 80 yards, four and a half minutes. And then the end of the half drive doesn't really count. So three drives for the 49ers, resulting in 10 points in the first half. In the second half, they had one, two, three, four, five, six drives. And really, only four of those count. Field goal drive to start the second half, nine plays, five and a half minutes, 60 yards. Touchdown drive, six plays, 55 yards, around three minutes. Then they punted on a five-play drive after Mahomes threw his second pick. Then KC scored. Then they're only three and out in the whole game. Then they had a seven-play drive that only took a minute off the clock that was downs. And then the interception by Jimmy G. His second interception. So... The 49ers really only had six legitimate opportunities to score points. They scored 20 points out of those six opportunities, sure, but the way the the 49ers offense was able to move the ball down the field with the passing game and with the running game, you'd think to yourself, if they moved the ball quicker on a couple of those, those drives and had more chances to score because of how quick the Chiefs offense usually is on their drives, they don't really kill as much clock. Maybe the 49ers would have come away with it because they would have scored more. Because they would have had more chances to score. So that's just something that's kind of lingering with me as I think about it. Um, but the, the Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs' effort in the fourth quarter for me is the reason that they won the game. I thought the 49ers played very well. They let it slip from them a little bit late. Sure, the Chiefs had a bad three quarters of offense. They were able to move the ball down the field, but they really could not capitalize, and they just were way too conservative play calling. And yeah, that was the difference. That was the difference. And in terms of entertainment of this game, where I would rank it among like the best Super Bowls ever, um, it's only the third time in Super Bowl history uh, we've had a 10-point fourth-quarter comeback, and all three, all three of those have happened in the last six Super Bowls, Two, twice by the Patriots, and now once by the Chiefs. It had never happened before in the first 48 Super Bowls. Brady did it in Super Bowl 49 against the Seahawks. They were down by 10 in the fourth quarter. The 25-point comeback against the Falcons at 51, and now Patrick Mahomes in Super Bowl 54 to bring Kansas City their second Lombardi trophy after half a century. So when I say it's a top 10 Super Bowl, I don't know. I really would have to look into the other Super Bowls, but from the ones that I've seen live in person, it's probably a top 10. I don't think it uh, touches the excitement of, you know, 51, 52 with the Eagles win. I thought Super Bowl Super Bowl 43, personally, for me, is still my favorite Super Bowl. Just because, you know, you have a team going for the record in Super Bowls and the Steelers. You had 
the Cardinals, you know, the longest title drought in NFL history at that point, who had the amazing playoff run of Larry Fitzgerald, you know, Kurt Warner continuing his incredible story. And it turned out to be an unbelievable game with very memorable plays. You know, James Harrison's pick six, the big Larry Fitzgerald touchdown. He had another great touchdown over uh, Ryan Clark, I think maybe. And obviously this Antonio Holmes catch. So Super Bowl 43 is my favorite Super Bowl. 42, very good. 52, 51, 49. Um, Last year, not even close. 50 was not a very good Super Bowl. 48 was a drubbing. 37, or 47 was very exciting. The Ravens-Niners game. But I thought this. I thought this game from minute one to minute sixty it had excitement. You you were engaged in the game the entire time because how many three and outs were there? Maybe two or three the whole game because there was just so few possessions. Um, so interesting indeed. Congratulations to Andy Reid, the Kansas City Chiefs. I know the city of Kansas City is about to like go crazy tonight i would expect a similar type of celebrations that we saw in philly after the eagles won the super bowl probably similar to st louis after winning the stanley cup with the blues um and the fact that right now the big four champions in american sports the current nfl champions the kansas city chiefs their first super bowl in 50 years the current world series champions the washington nationals never won a world series before The current NBA champions, the Toronto Raptors, never won an NBA title. The current Stanley Cup champions, the St. Louis Blues, who had never won a Stanley Cup. If you would have told me that that, those would be the four current champions in the Big Four in 2020 after Super Bowl 54, I would have laughed in your face. If you told me that a year, two years, ten years ago. So I think it's great that we have this new variety of champions. It's not like the past couple of years where, okay... Patriots have got one, you know, Warriors probably get something in there. You know, the Spurs have been winning a lot in the NBA, obviously, too. The Giants, the Red Sox, uh, the Blackhawks, the Kings in the NHL. So I, I love the change of pace and I love the variety. Two big four championships currently reside in the state of Missouri. And yes, Donald Trump initially tweeted that Kansas City was playing in Kansas. So he deleted it and corrected himself, but not a great look. So two of the big four championships reside in the state of Missouri, another one in our nation's capital, and another one in Canada. So love the variety, uh, and that's really cool. So just a fun stat to pull out there. Uh, In terms of the other stuff for the Super Bowl, the halftime show, um, getting some mixed reviews, but I thought it was a good spectacle. I thought it was fun to watch. Um, I thought Shakira outperformed J-Lo. That's my opinion. I like that part. Obviously, the Shakira tongue meme is being used a lot, and we're going to see that a lot over the next uh, couple of months for sure. Uh, so the only problems that might that people had from it from yeah, probably a parental perspective, if you have young children, obviously, there's some people who are not very happy about that just because of the nature of their performances. So uh, check out Twitter to see other thoughts about that kind of stuff, especially with the halftime show, because it was interesting to see the reactions. There's some funny jokes in there, too. But overall, not the best halftime show ever. Not the worst halftime show ever. Enjoyable. Commercials, there are a couple of decent ones. I thought Tide was very clever with their Charlie Day uh, commercials throughout the game, and you saw him pop up in the Wonder Woman ad. I thought that was kind of cool. Obviously, premieres of a couple of new commercials for movies. You know, we got our first look at Marvel television shows on Disney+, Plus, which I thought was really cool. Another Black Widow. 
commercial. We saw James Bond. We saw Fast Fast and Furious got the first commercial of the Super Bowl, if you think about it. Um, what other funny commercial there? Amazon had a good one with their whole, like, what was Alexa in the past kind of thing. I thought that was neat. Uh, Rain Wilson for Little Caesars was funny. And there's also some touching commercials. Google had a very touching commercial. A couple of other ones, too. But commercials I thought were fine. There were some dumb ones, but there were some funny ones. No, Nothing that was like laugh out loud funny. That's really not been the case for a very long time. But let's now talk about the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. They're the champs. They finally did it. The Patriots are not the champions anymore. You know, another new winner in the NFL essentially because not a lot of people in the city of Kansas City who have grown up as Chiefs fans their whole lives have ever seen their team win the win a Super Bowl so I'm sure they're gonna have a very good evening you know celebrities like Paul Rudd and how about John Hamm John Hamm must be thrilled you know in June see his boyhood hockey team his favorite hockey team the Blues win the Stanley Cup and then a few months later he gets to see the Chiefs win the Super Bowl so anyone who is a Blues Chiefs fan has had a pretty good last couple of months because essentially if you want to be a Missouri sports fan, it's, you know, basically thinking, okay, football, I got the Chiefs. Baseball, depending on where I'm from, it's either the Cardinals or the Royals. And then hockey, you got the Blues. And two of them are champs. Royals won a World Series last decade, so did the Cardinals. So Missouri's living, living it good. But let's face it. Everyone is going to be talking about Patrick Mahomes over the next couple of weeks uh, post-Super Bowl because the potential for this guy to be the GOAT is there for a lot of reasons. Besides his talent, his accomplishments at his age at 24 are spectacular. He is the youngest person in NFL history to get an MVP and a Super Bowl ring at the age of 24. This is just his third year in the NFL. is his second year as a starter. We've seen second-year starters and sophomore quarterbacks win Super Bowls. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl in the second year. Ben Roethlisberger did. Russell Wilson did. Mahomes, it's third year, but second year is a starter, and he's got a Super Bowl. And he joins a short list of players that have a ring, an MVP, and a Super Bowl MVP, which I don't think he should have won Super Bowl MVP. I don't like the fact that it is so uh, biased towards quarterbacks unless no QB has like a tremendous game or a comeback, then... It's a, it's always going to go to a quarterback. I thought Damian Williams deserved the MVP because of his performance. Patrick Mahomes did not have a good three quarters. Let's face it. He won the MVP purely because he came back in the fourth quarter. All, all is forgotten of his first three quarters and those two interceptions once he came back in that fourth. So, And also, I'm sure the people who voted, you know, if if the MVP is purely decided by fan vote, then yeah all the Chiefs fans who were watching the game or anybody who was like, I'm going to wait until the fourth quarter to vote. And with it fresh in their minds, they're all going to vote for Patrick Mahomes. But I personally, my Super Bowl MVP would be Damian Williams for this game. But regardless, Mahomes joins Bart Starr, Terry Bradshaw, Marcus Allen, John Elway, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Emmett Smith, Terrell Davis, Kurt Warner, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Aaron Rodgers as the only NFL players to win a ring, an MVP, and a Super Bowl MVP. And he's done it within his first three seasons. And in his last two in his first two seasons as a starter, he's won an MVP, had a 5,000 yard 50 TD pass season, has been has hosted 
AFC Championship games. As you know, he's gotten bye weeks each of his years, and he's got a Super Bowl ring now, and a Super Bowl MVP, and a fourth quarter Super Bowl comeback, something that Tom Brady has shown that he specializes in. And Tom Brady had a comeback in 36, late game drive in 38, heroics in 39, just the game was pretty close. Comebacks in 49 and 51, 53 didn't have to do anything. But the track record of Patrick Mahomes, the talent of Patrick Mahomes, the potential of the Chiefs as a team with him, he could be on his way to being the greatest of all time. I'm not saying he's going to be, but he is now the face of the NFL. He is the young star with the accolades. He already has one of the best resumes in NFL history because, let's face it, not a lot of players are ever going to win a Super Bowl. Not a lot of players win MVPs, and not a lot of guys win Super Bowl MVPs. Very few have. For him to have all three of those by 24, three years in the league, as the 10th pick in his draft, not even the first quarterback pick in his draft. Remember, Mitch Trubisky was. That's astounding. And he's still got more left in the tank. And I cannot wait to see how this guy's career is going to pan out. And because of the potential of his career, because of the potential for him to be greater than Brady, if he can win more, if he can break more records, you know, he's going to be the face of the NFL. Tom Brady's going to stay. I don't know if he's going to go to the Raiders or the Chargers. I'm sure the Patriots are going to sign him for a big fee. But that's it. Mahomes is the face of the NFL. This guy is going to be all over national advertisements. The NFL is going to he's going to be the poster boy for the league. Everyone's going to be talking about Patrick Mahomes going into next season and for seasons to come because it's like, what else can he do? If he can win more, if he can break records, if he can win more MVPs, because he has that potential and people have seen him have that potential. So that's a, that's very exciting to see. I am very I am really looking forward to seeing what Patrick Mahomes career has in store uh, as for the 49ers future. Amazing season, amazing turnaround to go from 4-12, and 12, number two pick in the draft. You take the defensive rookie of the year, Nick Bosa, and you make the Super Bowl and you blow a 10-point lead with nine minutes left. That's uh, phenomenal. It's a phenomenal season from the 49ers. John Lynch built a great team. Kyle Shanahan coached them uh, tremendously. So what the improvements, they need a number one receiver. They need a... Big-time number one receiver. You know, Debo Samuel, Emmanuel Sanders, they're, they're not, you know, prime number one receivers. They need a number one receiver in that organization. Whether they trade for one, don't pick up Antonio Brown. Definitely don't pick up Antonio Brown, San Francisco. But a number one wide receiver seems like the need for the Niners. I think Mostert can do a good enough job running the football. With that offensive line, anyone can play running back for that team. George Kittle is maybe the best tight end in the NFL. Him or Kelsey is a, is a healthy debate. Defensively, Nick Bosa is about to have a lot of competition. Him, Nick Bosa, his brother, Chase Young, and then when Miles Garrett gets reinstated, you've got four guys who have the potential to be four of the best defensive ends in the history of the NFL. So Nick Bosa is going to have some competition, especially when Chase Young enters the league and most likely is going to be a Washington Redskin because he's going to be the second pick after Joe Burrow. So Niners, but th- that's the thing with the NFC. The NFC is so wide open. It's been wide open for so long. No team has dominated the conference since probably Troy Aikman's Cowboys 
the last team in the NFC to win back-to-back NFC titles was Pete Carroll Seahawks. Before that, it was when Brett Favre and Mike Holmgren were at the Packers. You know, there's so many different teams that win the NFC all the time. I don't know if the 49ers can build a dynasty. You need Jimmy G to turn into a stat patter. You need uh, George Kittle to have even, you know, more catches, more touchdowns. Um, but they're playing also in a very tough division. The Rams are still going to be uh, competitive. The Seahawks are always going to be competitive with Russell Wilson. And eventually the Cardinals are going to get to a point where they're going to get back into being a playoff contender with Kyler Murray improving and uh, more. So I don't see the Niners as a perennial NFC champion just because of how open the NFC is every year. They're going to be a good team for the years to come. But I wouldn't be surprised if sprinkled in in the 2020s we get a Niner season that's like 6-10 and 10 or 5-11 and 11 because some team in the NFC just snaps their fingers and is like, whoa, out of the blue we're going to have a 13-3 and three season. Because that happens in the NFC a lot. Teams out of the blue have these great seasons. The 49ers out of the blue had a great season. Nobody thought they were going to be nine minutes away with a 10-point lead to win the Super Bowl. Some people had the, the right mindset where this team could be competitive. They have a good amount of players, but I don't think anybody thought they'd be this good. Same thing with the Bears last year. We knew the Bears had a great defense, but because of how good that defense was last season, 12-4 and four favorites to maybe win the NFC, and then they got unlucky with a bad kick. You know, even the Eagles the year before that, Carson Wentz played out of his skin in the regular season, and then Nick Foles had one of the best playoff runs in NFL history. So the NFC is full of surprises. There's a lot that can go a lot that can go wrong for the 49ers and a lot that can go right for them. It's it, it's random. That's the best word to describe the NFC. It's random. Whereas the AFC has been very structured. It's been Brady or it's been Peyton Manning. Now, we're going to have to see whether or not it's just going to be Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson and Deshaun Watson are behind him. They need better teams. They need more experience too. Look at Mahomes, two-year starter, and he's already uh, among a group of players that are all Hall of Famers and future Hall of Famers with a ring, an MVP, and a Super Bowl MVP. So, yeah, the NFL season's over. Pretty pretty surprising. Went by fast. The NFL season always seems like it goes by pretty fast. But for 2020, what's there to look forward to? Obviously, whether or not the Chiefs are going to defend and win Super Bowl 55 in Tampa Bay. Another Super Bowl in Florida. The excitement of the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders moving from Oakland to Vegas. So that is going to be a big storyline going into the 2020 NFL season. Where Tom Brady is going to be is going to dominate the offseason headlines before we get into the draft. Whether or not the Patriots are going to re-sign him for a massive fee. Or whether he's in Vegas or LA with the Chargers. You know, you never know. You never know. Uh, potential other offseason moves. We'll have to see what those could be. Uh, with the draft, the story is is Burrow, obviously. Burrow's going to be the number one pick. He's going to go to the Bengals. We'll see if anybody else pops up and has a great rookie season. But the biggest headlines when we enter opening day of 2020, when the Kansas City Chiefs are hosting whoever on opening night, the biggest storylines are going to be Patrick Mahomes. Can he keep this up? Can he go at, go and start? to develop an even better legacy and even better resume early on than Tom Brady or Peyton Manning and win another Super Bowl with the Chiefs. 
How will Joe Burrow translate to the NFL? How good can the Bengals be with him? Second year for Kyler Murray. Can the Cardinals actually be playoff contenders with him? Don't think they're there yet, but how many more wins can he get? How much more time for Tom Brady? How much more time for Ben Roethlisberger? How much more time for Aaron Rodgers? How exciting, how how excited are, are the Vegas community going to be for Raiders football? And are they going to get a lot of people to show up for those games? Trying to think, what else other questions could there be next season? Um, Lamar Jackson, can he duplicate? I he'll, He won't duplicate his numbers from last season, but can he have another MVP-type season? Can he prove that it's not a one-year fluke? I think he's already proven he's not a one-year fluke because he was so good in his rookie year when he started for the Ravens after benching Joe Flacco. What else can we think of? I believe it's also the last year for the Rams and the Chargers, not in the new uh, SoFi Stadium, I think it's going to be called. So one year before they move to their new stadium together in L.A. What else? I'm trying to think. Um, Can the Bears have an offense? Is Jameis Winston a bust? What are the Panthers going to do? You know, where's Cam Newton going to go if he's definitely going to get traded? Now the Panthers don't have Luke Keekley now that he retired. Hmm. Anything else? Can't think of anything else off the top of my head, but that's not until September. But next time to talk football will be when we have a big offseason move. Most definitely when Tom Brady makes the decision of whether or not he will be with the Patriots or he decides to actually leave Foxborough and go play for John Gruden in Vegas or go play for Anthony Lynn in Los Angeles with the Chargers. Who knows? But that's going to be the last of the NFL talk on this podcast for a a good amount of time, I think it's safe to say. Um, Now it's time to do a little tennis talk because the first Grand Slam is done. 2020 is underway for tennis, and we have our champions. On the men's side, as you expected, it was as expected. And on the women's side, as expected, it was a surprise. Sophia Kennan, 21 years old, wins the Australian Open. An unbelievable run from Kennan. She's put her name on the map. She's changed her life. Now she's among the the American stars. She's probably going to be in the Olympics now. If she continues to have a consistent uh, next couple of months, she needs to have a decent French Open. Probably get to like the round of 16 or at least round three at Wimbledon if she wants to keep her spot for the U.S. Olympic team. Um, so yeah, Sophie, uh, sorry that I'm a little bit more of a loss for words just because it's a little bit late and, uh, you know, just watching the Super Bowl is talking a lot during the game just because of the excitement and everything. But yeah, Sophia Kennan, I, I don't know what the future, re- I don't know if she's the type of player that's going to turn into a dominant force. I don't think we are in the position in women's tennis where we are going to have another dominant force like Serena Williams because there are too many good players in women's tennis. So I don't know when the next time Sophia Kennan is going to win a Grand Slam. I don't know if she can win the French Open. Ashley Barty is very strong. Naomi Osaka is very strong. Muguruza's back. Halep had another good tournament. She made the semis in Melbourne. So you honestly don't know. You really honestly have no idea how it's going to go down for Sophia Kennan. As for the men, Novak Djokovic again, man. The guy is unbelievable. 
Um, and in his final against Dominic Thiem, where he came back from 2-1 two, two, down in sets, won the fourth, won the fifth marathon classic match to win his eighth Australian Open and his 17th Grand Slam. He proved that he is the greatest hardcore tennis player ever. No one slides like him on hardcore ever. No one's ever done it before. No one's ever going to do it again. And he showed his unbelievable stamina. He's always had great stamina in all the big matches that he's played. And he's done it again. And I cannot believe he came back to win that final. Kudos to Dominic Thiem. I think he is the next man in line to compete with the big three and potentially snatch a Grand Slam from one of them. He got to the French Open final, played Nadal. Now he got to an Australian Open final and played Djokovic. So he's got that taste of taking on these big players. But he's not there yet to beat them. He's not there yet to beat them. 13 straight Grand Slam victories now for the big three. Djokovic, two behind Nadal, three behind Federer. The French Open, though, it's going to be all about Nadal. He is going to be the overwhelming favorite to win what would be his 13th French Open, and he's going for his 20th slam. I don't know if Roger Federer is going to win another Grand Slam again. I just don't know because Djokovic and Nadal play at such a high level now, and I think Dominic Thiem and Alex Zverev are starting to develop into a level, and Federer is getting older. Let's face it, he is getting older. He is the oldest among the three, so that makes it tougher. But now Federer hasn't won in two years compared to Nadal and Djokovic, who split the slams in 2019. And Djokovic has won a slam uh, almost every year since 2011. The only years he didn't win a slam since 11 was literally just 2017, when Federer had an amazing comeback year winning the Australian Open and Wimbledon, and then Nadal won the French and the U.S. Open. But since 2011, Djokovic has won at least a slam every year, and he keeps that going in 2020. A good Australian Open. Excited to see the future of Sophia Kennan. Excited for the French Open, but that's a month away. And now we're going to get to the end of the podcast. Now, obviously, other stuff happened in sports this week. You know, you had your big Tottenham win over Man City. The Premier League, rate, it's over. It's it's so done. Liverpool's up by 22 points. It's over. Um, of course, in the NBA right now, Damian Lillard is as hot as a firecracker right now. He is playing unfreaking believable. He is like a cannon shooting the basketball. He's just popping shots and putting everything in. It's incredible. He has 61 game. He's he's hitting 40 every night. He's getting 50. So he's the story in the NBA along with, you know, every NBA player and team remembering Kobe Bryant. And now that they decided to wear the numbers for the All-Star game, I think that's a great decision. I think Team LeBron is going to wear number two for Gigi, and Team Giannis is going to wear number 24 for Kobe. I think the draft is this upcoming week, too. I think this Thursday will be the All-Star draft. Again, Giannis and LeBron drafting the teams. But now that the Super Bowl's done, the NFL season's over, we don't really have like a great big event happening until March Madness. You know, Champions League is going to be back in a week. You're going to have um, regular season action, the NBA, NHL, college basketball, and NBA All-Star Weekend is in two weeks. But we don't have like a marquee, massive event that's going to happen literally until we get to March Madness, which is in about a month and a half. So, as I've teased before, we're going to do another bracket because it's that time of year where it's good to have a debate about sports keep yourselves engaged with sports since there's you know no major stuff happening we're going to keep it keep the regular season coverage going on for sure probably be more dedicated 
to regular season coverage for the NBA and the NHL and college basketball. Now that there's not as much happening, soccer is too. Since in the past few weeks, we've had Australian Open, we had college football, we had Super Bowl. But this is the time of year where it's perfect to do a bracket. And I'm happy to announce that the bracket is going to be a little drum roll on the desk because I know all the people listening are going to be so excited. We're going to do what is the most unbreakable individual record in sports history. So last time we wanted to figure out what was the greatest dynasty in sports history, individual or team. The Patriots dynasty won. Now we're going from team slash individual. You know, we're going from dominance and winning to the records that define sports. You know, the most memorable, the most iconic numbers, records, that exist in sports history, and it's individual records. So these are going to be records that are obviously only set by an athlete. So nothing that involves consecutive wins by a team, consecutive championships, most championships by a team. We're not doing any of that. It's only going to be individual athletes' records. So whether or not it's a single game record, a single season record, an all-time record, a consecutive wins, or, you know, starts or matches record kind of thing that is what the bracket is going to be what is the most unbreakable individual record in sports history there is a variety of records that are in the bracket a lot of big four is in there granted but there's some soccer there's some cricket there's a couple of olympic record olympic sport records that are in there as well a couple of random ones you've never heard of but they are there because they are worth being in the bracket and Usual brackets are 64 entries. This one is not. This is a 75-entry bracket. Because there were too many records I wanted to include, it's 75. So there are multiple play-in matchups to get to the 64-entry point. I'm not going to tell you when it starts because what I'm going to announce now is that there will be a reveal video. So a Selection Sunday-style bracket reveal video that is going to go up on my personal YouTube channel, the Ori Benatar YouTube channel. Just search my name, O-R-R-I-B-E-N-A-T-A-R. It is going to go up on Wednesday, February 5th at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Mark that down in your calendar. If you want to watch the selection show of the bracket, the full entry of the bracket where we're going to reveal every single matchup, uh, explaining more about how the bracket was made and seeing each of the matchups, seeing each of the records that are included, and how to vote, and when it starts, all of that will be revealed in the reveal video, which comes out Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. on February the 5th. And again, it is going to be on the Ori Benatar YouTube channel, O-R-R-I-B-E-N-A-T-A-R. We'll put a link in the bio of the Instagram account as well, of course, when it comes out. So... Keep your eyes peeled for that. It is going to be really fun. It's going to take a couple of weeks, and it's it's your decision. What's the most unbreakable record in, in sports history from held by an athlete? So that's it. That's the bracket. Make sure to check out the video on Wednesday to find out what it is, what the matchups are, and how it ended up because it's pretty cool, and I'm excited for it. I'm really excited for it. But that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. I'm burnt out. I'm going to Nashville this week. It's going to be a good time. No Super Bowl parade there. It's in Kansas City. But uh, good Super Bowl. Enjoyed it. 
this upcoming week is a little bit low key in terms of sports. It's a lot of regular season stuff. Champions League back next week. NBA All Star Weekend next weekend. Pump for that. But uh, yeah, get pumped for the bracket. That's basically going to be the big thing for this week, revealing the bracket and then finding out when the voting starts and more. But that's going to be it for this edition of the Total Score Podcast. I'm Ori Benatar. Thank you for listening. Total Sports Score on Instagram, totalsportscore.com. SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify for the podcast, whichever platform you like to listen to. We'll, we'll start putting them up on my YouTube channel eventually. But uh, got a lot of stuff to do. Going on vacation. It's going to be fun. I've been to Nashville before, but it's going to be the first time I'm really going to have a chance to really explore the city. So I'm really looking forward to that. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed your Super Bowl Sunday. Hope you have a good week. If you're taking the day off for Super Bowl Monday, uh, good for you. Hope your illness goes away, in quotes. But uh, have a good week, guys. See you next time.